y'all, welcome back to the Confessions of a Crappy Christian Podcast, a place where you and all of your crap are not just welcome, you're wanted. I'm your host, Blake Guichet, and every week I'm showing up with a new friend to talk about the things we're really great at, the ways Christ fills in the gaps on the things that we're not, and how he has been faithful to make his power perfect in our weaknesses. My hope is that you walk away feeling empowered and not alone in your struggles, and that people sharing their stories pushes you to share yours. All right, let's do this. So today's interview is with Christy Purefoy, a writer, mother, wife, and Enneagram 4. In her new book, Christy shows readers what it means to be a placemaker, cultivating places of comfort, beauty, and peace. Our conversation really challenges the idea of what a home should look and feel like and gives some tangible ways to create a true place for people. It is so good. Christy, hey, thank you so much for coming on. You are so welcome. It's great to be here with you. So by the time this interview comes out, your book has been out for a month. So congratulations. You wrote a Thank book. Thank you. And it's out the world, I know. And, that's so exciting. and that means we're, we're well into spring, which is yes. awesome. My favorite time of year. Yes. <laughs> uh, so your book is titled Placemaker, Cultivating Places of Comfort, Beauty, and Peace. And I love that. Oh my gosh. Like so good. And so when I first read the title, the first thing that came to mind for me was hospitality. I was like, oh yeah, like yeah. making a place for people, like opening your home. But then as I started to kind of dig into the book and what it's about, I started to kind of learn that that's, it's not the same thing. Like they're not, right. they're related, right. but they're not they're related. the same. So to get us started, can you kind of like tell us about your book, tell us about Placemaker and like kind of explain like the difference, what placemaking is? Sure. That's a great place to start because for so long, I feel like I was a woman in search of a word to explain yeah. <laughs> you know, what, I, what I was all about and, and a word that could connect the dots of all the things I felt called to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and hospitality, it, you know, it was sort of okay. It sometimes worked. Um, but I'll be honest, I'm an introvert and mm-hmm. hospitality is a real challenge for me. It mm-hmm. can be very draining for me. And so while it sort of fit, it didn't feel like a perfect fit. Right. But man, when I stumbled on this idea of placemaking, which again, it's um, it sort of also sounds like another word, homemaking, mm. but I think homemaking too is maybe a little bit more narrow and maybe comes with some baggage for some people. Mm-hmm. And we tend to use it, I think, just for women, but you know, placemaking is something I do, something my husband does. It's for men and women. So yeah, for a long time, I was searching for a word to make sense of um, my love of home, my love of special places, my love of gardening, even my love of writing, which has often been about um, just noticing the place where I am and writing about the sea and things like make, um, this is how I define it. I think of it as just being willing to love the place where you are, being willing to let your roots sink deep into the ground beneath your feet, kind of like a tree. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the book. I write a lot about trees in the book because I feel like I have learned so much about um, placemaking from the trees and just paying attention to that aspect of God's creation. So yeah, it's being willing not only to to think very intentionally about how we can shape places for the better, um, but also just letting ourselves be nourished 
occupy a place. And that's not easy to do, especially when, you know, in our, in our culture, we move a lot, a lot of us. Mm. And, you know, maybe, we don't, you know, maybe this, it's a temporary home or a temporary place, or, you know, we don't know how long we'll get to stay there. And it can be hard in those places to let yourself, you know, sink those roots in and, mm-hmm. and really love a place that, and even receive, a, you know, from a place. So, yeah. yeah so, the, so the book is just, it's stories of, you know, 20 years of place making. It's, um, you know, little Texas apartments, it's, uh, big, big city apartments in Chicago. It's this old farmhouse where we live now in Pennsylvania. So a lot of different places. Um, but we've been placemakers in each one and then woven throughout are these stories of the trees that I hope will inspire people and, and, uh, sort of, um, yeah, yeah. Just kind of pass on the inspiration. I feel like I get from nature. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And I love that it's about like, I feel like if you can love the place you are and put roots down and like cultivate those things there, then it's kind of almost this like natural like outflow to the people around you. Right, exactly. I think it's so much harder to um you know to to love the people in the place without mm-hmm. loving the place or yes. without paying attention to the place because we're so um, you know, our communities, our families, ourselves, we're so interwoven with our, our environments. And so, yeah, in this book, I'm really um, inviting people to think about that relationship we all have with, with our homes and with our, our places. Yes. Um, you know, those, those places might be our churches. They might be our, you know, our neighborhood parks. I mean, it's not just about houses because mm-hmm. um, it, it really is a big, it's a big word. It's a spacious word. It is. It, it fits a lot. Yeah. I know. I love that. And it's, I love that like those three words that you kind of honed in on in the title of like comfort, beauty, and peace. I mean, is that not like, that's what we all want to like extend to others. That's what we all want to like feel ourselves. And that I feel like that's such a beautiful summation of what I'm learning to understand placemaking is, is like it's comfort. It's being safe. It's like appreciating it for what it is and then it's like resting in this piece of like putting your roots down yeah yeah and when I so I really when I sat down to write these stories I was kind of haunted by this one question that I had so in every place that we've lived um however small however big however you know whether it was urban or country I feel like people have always walked into our space, walked into our home, and often said the same thing. They've said, oh, what a peaceful place. Mm. Well, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm a mom, a wife. I've got four kids. They're kind of crazy and loud like <laughs> most kids. And, and, and so I often thought, what, what are they talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I what could they possibly mean? And yet, and so I thought, you know, one thing I want to do, I want to tell these stories in order to figure out, okay, what, what was it that they were experiencing? Yeah. And if I can figure it out, then maybe I can uh, cultivate that piece more intentionally. And maybe in this book, I can pass on to others like, hey, here's how it happens. And so, um, yeah, I was really driven to, to figure it out. Now, I will tell you, I don't have, this is no three easy steps to right. a peaceful house kind of book. <laughs> right. Well, and it's funny that you say that because when I like read this, my first thought was, this is in the future for me. Placemaking, a place of comfort and beauty and peace is in the future because I have two young kids and they're crazy and they're loud and my, you know, right. everything's always a mess and right, I'm right. busy. And so hearing you say that, that, cause yeah. I'm on, I'll be honest, my like first thought was, 
how many how many kids does she have how many kids right like if if people are walking into our home and think it's peaceful she's gotta she's like gotta have an only child situation but like you have four kids and people were still like coming yeah. into your home and so uh that is like a bomb for my heart that like we can learn to cultivate a beautiful place even yeah. when there's tinker toys everywhere and our exactly. kids are screaming I love yeah. that. And so I know in the book you talked about like that God has called us to be a placemaker. So I'd love to like tell me about that. Te- teach me about that. Yeah, you know, it was wild when I felt like I had come up with this word that helps sort of make sense of my past and my my future dreams. I felt like I had also been given a glimpse into an aspect of of God's character. You know, it made sense when I looked at at the Bible and I realized, okay, of course, you know, we think of him as creator. He created the earth. But he's also been like shaping these very special places for his people. So, I mean, of course, there was the Garden of Eden. Um, there's, you know, the promised land that he he prepared and set aside for his people. Um, you know, the, the temple. Uh, our God cares about places mm. and is interested in shaping them. I mean, think about those kind of intense um, passages of scripture where it's all about like exactly how the temple should measure and what mm-hmm. the art should look like. And I mean, it's really kind of crazy how much detail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this thing in me, this, 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 you know, pull I have towards beauty and place and, and creating beautiful places. I think it's God given. I mm-hmm. think it's an aspect of God's own nature. Mm. So once I realized that, I thought, okay, this is not just about me as someone who is naturally drawn to these things. I think mm-hmm. there are people who are natural. Um, I mean, they're the people who become like interior designers and architects and right there, right. you know, gardeners. And there are people who have that natural, um, you know, ability and gifting. But if this is a part of who God is, and we are all created in his image, then there's something about placemaking that I think is for all of us. Yes. And I really wanted to, to to tell stories and write the book in such a way that people could figure out, hey, what does it look like for me? Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I hope, I think I've done it. I hope I've done it because that's do. really important to me. I do. I think that it's going to like reach everyone. Like for those people who do have, do lean more towards interior design and beauty, it gives, I feel like it's going to give them a way to make that Honestly, like use those giftings, yeah, for and then, like making a place. And right, then those right. of us who are like, I just like hang stuff on the walls and hope for the best. <laughs> like this could like teach us how to like cultivate that feeling of like beauty and peace yeah. and like being welcome. Yeah. And I love that it's it really is for everyone. It's for those of us that have a two and a four year old that everything is just destroyed all the time. And it's for those of us that really like do have these like beautiful homes with no kids wrecking them. Like those can still, like they're all places. And I love the idea that like God cares about places. As soon as you said that, like my mind was flooded by how many times in scripture he very specifically references places Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like the, the, yeah, that they matter and that I think of there's so many verses that are about places and also the trees that grow mm-hmm. in them, rivers that flow through them. I mean, he he's all about these really beautiful details. I hope I hope my stories give people permission, whether they feel that natural inclination or not, to understand this placemaking work as something um, that has the potential to be really holy mm. and not just some 
extra thing like oh we have our spiritual lives we have our ministry and then okay in our free time maybe we we do this other stuff yeah uh, instead to see it as something that could be quite central to what it looks like for us to you know follow god and um you know be faithful and um because that's something that's a struggle i've had i think for a long time i thought this is indulgent this mm. is maybe a little selfish. This is, oh, I have to be careful. You know, I, maybe I shouldn't spend money on something for my home. I should, you know, give it away. And, mm -hmm. you know, so whether it was financial decisions I was making or how I spent my time, there was mm -hmm. a lot of guilt, yeah. a lot of shame, like thinking, oh, uh, you know, a lot of self-doubt. And uh, I hope these stories give people uh, permission to, to actually lean into that and to see it as something um, that can really reflect God and, and uh, his love of beauty to the world. Yes. And I love that. My, one of my favorite things in the whole world is when God takes things that we're like, ah, uh, ah, about, <laughs> and is like, nope, I, I created you that way. I made that. And like, he created you with this love of beauty and is like redeeming that in, in turn, using you to like teach people how to make that holy. Like that's incredible. This episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast is brought to you by the Christian Questions podcast, where they explore biblical and current event topics with an in-depth approach, looking at how scriptural principles answer modern-day questions. They show how historic biblical characters and events still have urgent relevance in today's world, and it's not your typical Christian talk commentary. Check out hundreds of episodes of Christian Questions at ChristianQuestions.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Because I am, I fall in the camp of like, there are no framed pictures of my family in this house. Like there's <laughs> like three things hung on the wall and we just hope for the best. And this is challenging to like step into making it a place versus not. You know what I mean? And so I feel yeah. like that leads very naturally into like talking about practical ways. Like, how do you do this? Like, mm -hmm. obviously, people need to buy the book and it will be linked in your show notes. <laughs> but like, OK, like, give me a couple of ways to like make my like make my place a place. Yeah, yeah I think I am all about a message that I think is really opposed to most of what our culture is telling us about our homes whether we hear it from HGTV or on Pinterest. So um, placemaking is not about perfection. Mm. It is not about the latest, um, whether it's granite countertops or shiplap paneling mm -hmm. or whatever is the newest pretty thing. Um, it, it just, it cannot be, I think, about all that endless consumption. <laughs> and yet it is about things and, mm. and, and it is, acknowledging that things matter and they make a difference. So, mm -hmm. okay, just a couple practical things. First of all, thrift stores, make friends with them. Oh, I'm yes. all about, you know, Craigslist and secondhand shopping and those, those things that have a history mm. and have, you know, patina, I mean, they can be the most special things, but of course also they're inexpensive and you're recycling. So mm -hmm. it's like yeah. a win-win. Like <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I really encourage people. And, and I think this is why this book has so much about the natural world and about trees and gardens and flowers is that the more we can do to bring the outside in, mm. 
which sounds like, I don't know, like an interior decorator cliche or something, but it really makes a difference if we're using natural materials in our home. And for me, that means um, even, and this is hard with the little kids, but even when my kids were little, I tried to give them, um, you know, a little less plastic than is typical with, you know, kids in our home. So maybe they each had a little wooden bowl that mm-hmm. I found at the thrift store or, um, you know, instead of paper napkins, we tried to use, you know, cloth napkins. I just cut up old, you know, fabric and stuff and, and cloth napkins in a basket, like little touches of the natural world, like real fabric and real wood. And, that. you know, you don't have to, you don't have to be a gardener even, you don't have to grow flowers, but you can go cut some branches from the bush in your yard and stick them in a jar. Yeah. You know, really that small. And then candles, like lighting a candle at dinner. Actually, I have one story to tell. So I tell this in the book because it was such a surprise to me. Um, I had a friend tell me once she'd she'd spent time in her home and she said, Christy, it's so beautiful. I just can't believe you put the maple syrup at breakfast in this glass jar. And I thought, what? I only did that so I could warm it up in the microwave. (laughs) It was in a a plastic jar and I didn't want to stick that in the microwave. So I put it in this glass jar. And she just thought it was the neatest little touch. Like I had Uh, taken such care with the uh maple syrup. But it, it made me realize, oh this is easy. Like I yes. can do these little things. If, mm-hmm. you know, if, um, you know, if I'm serving dinner, you know, if it's a more special occasion, we have guests over and I made a salad, you know, I can, I can make a little vinegar, a little salad dressing and have it in a jar on the table. I don't have mm-hmm. to dump the 12 crusty bottles from the fridge onto the table. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's like little small things. It's little things. It's little things, but it is not about perfection. It is not about, um, it's not about hiding our mess. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, we know when sometimes I think we'll know when placemaking is more about letting people see the crusty bottles in the yes. fridge. Like that's yes. okay. You know, so really is discernment, but also just recognizing that little touches of beauty, little touches of natural materials in the natural world and beautiful things go a long, long way. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Whether we had, you know, I talk about, uh, we had some brilliant orange laminate countertops in one of our first apartments and I was young and, and I was embarrassed by them. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I tell a story about them, but you know, one thing I've learned over time is who cares? Clean those counters off and stick some flowers on yes. them and they will look great. Yes. <laughs> you and know, it, like it's it, it it sounds like what you're like what you're saying is it's like it's about intentionality as well. Yeah. Which yeah. is with young kids can be hard. We're it like can. acknowledging that. It is a challenge. Yes. But I love that like very simple baby step of like bringing the outside in. Like it's a baby step, but it makes all the difference. Like I have my flowers for my husband from Valentine's Day are still living, which I have the blackest thumb, even with like flowers that somebody bought at a store. Like I could still manage to kill them. But like it, I literally didn't even know fully the direction this interview was going to go. And this morning was like, oh, I love having these flowers here. Right? Like, it, it makes, makes me difference. so happy, you know, and like I love like my kids have a lot of my husband's old wooden toys. And so, like, when they put, like, those toys are less frustrating, first of all, (laughs) but they're all, like, they're sweet, and they're old, and they're sentimental, and I love, like, watching them drive old wooden trucks around versus playing with, like, one of their obnoxious, loud, noisy, you know, electronic toys. And so, that's really challenging to me. I'm, like, sitting here thinking, like, there are so many very small, very easy ways that I could bring the outside in mm-hmm. and like make my home feel like more of a place like more mm-hmm. comfortable you know 
And, you know, I'm listening to you too. I'm realizing and kind of thinking back, you know, my kids are a little older now. My youngest is kindergarten. Um, so I'm thinking back to when they were younger and realizing how much they could, you know, how kids love little things mm-hmm. and collecting little treasures in their <laughs> yes. pockets. So remembering how we would go outside and hunt for like really pretty acorns um, and then we'd have them in a bowl on the mm-hmm. table. Well, mm-hmm. kids eat that up. They yes. love it. And yet it's also really pretty. It's yeah. nice. And there, and you free. know, you've got exactly exactly <laughs> you know? so it can, it can be that simple yes and i love like i i just love that it you're kind of redefining and almost like bucking against what 2019 is telling us home should be yeah which is perfect and everything is white and mm-hmm. open shelving which that stresses me out because then everything's got to be in <laughs> line and that is not like that's not in the cards for us right now you know so right. i love the idea of it being like picking some flowers or some branches or just like br- like making it feel like home versus everything being perfect and white and I mean, white is great, and I'm a big believer that, like, paint it white and it's going to look better, but, like, at the same time, like, I I just love that it's, like, intentionality, it's natural, like, you're not asking people to spend a bunch of money, like, yes, go to the thrift store, get on Facebook Marketplace, get on Craigslist, Mm -hmm. and, like, Mm -hmm. find what you need, because I guarantee you somebody is selling it, and there's a really good chance that it's, it has history, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And I've always been a big uh, lover of history and old things. And so uh, now that we're in this old farmhouse, it's been fun to tell stories about the people who built this house like 150 years ago. And oh my gosh. I think just paying attention to the the past of a place and mm. the history, like you were sharing about your, you know, your husband's the toys that belong to him. So it's, You know, I think, too, we can, like, what are the extremes, right? We can have the kind of HGTV extreme of consumerism, or we can have the extreme of saying things don't matter. Like, we have a, you know, we have this this spirituality that is kind of disembodied and and is uh, too heavenly for earthly stuff, right? Yeah, right. Um, But, you know, both extremes, I think, I think get it wrong. Absolutely. Things absolutely matter and um, can even be a part of our, our, um, you know, spiritual lives. But um, it's, it's, yeah, it's not going to look quite like HGTV and it's not going to look like, you know, a home with nothing in it either. Exactly. And I will admit that I tend to fall on the side of things don't matter and not in like a holier than thou th- way, but yeah. just more in like a, I just don't think about it. I'm just like yeah. going about my way and like yep. stuff doesn't matter. Like I, I'm like known for being like, it's all going to burn anyway, right. which is like <laughs> real like fire and brimstone. But this idea that like I couldn't, you know. I notice, when, like, when we're going to have guests, I find myself wanting to make that guest room comfortable and put together. And, like, that is – it's an extension of of Christ and being mm-hmm. – making that place comfortable and making that place beautiful and also functional, like, putting flowers on the bedside table or whatever, that those things – like, things do – things – I feel like it's right in the middle. It's like things don't matter and they do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like marrying those together. Yeah. I, and you're you know, not asking people to break the bank. Right, right. For the sake of having exactly. stuff in their house, but also like yeah. don't err so far on the side of stuff doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking too about like as Christians, what what are, you know, what really unites us as Christians around the world? It's um, it's the bread and the wine, right? Or, mm. you know, the wafer and the grape juice or whatever. But it's, <laughs> right. you know, it's those, 
it's, uh, you know, it's those elements that, that Jesus broke at the last supper supper. And like, what could be more earthy than than bread and wine? So it's, it, uh, you know, we're not talking about these, you know, the acorns on the table being at that level. And yet they are partaking in that, that, um, that view of the world that says, oh, this world was made by God. Yes. And he loves it. And it's Um, beautiful. And it's good. Beautiful. And it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've also, you know, learned that um, if we do that, if we take that care in a place, then God can use that place to meet our needs and the mm. needs of others. Mm-hmm. And that's really where you mentioned the the word comfort in the subtitle. That's really where that word comes in. Um, I tell a story in the book about um, the, a flower garden that I built here at my house and, and my all my doubts about it. Like, is this just wasteful thing to do? I mean, what could be more extravagant than flowers, right? You can't even- <laughs> You can't even cook them. It's not like you're growing <laughs> tomatoes, you know? Yeah. Um, but then when our family went through a really hard time and had um, uh, just a tragic loss in our family, and I write about that in the book, that flower garden became like a sanctuary that brought healing and rest in ways I never, ever could have predicted. For me, also for my family who are, who are impacted by this, and I... So I, now I stand at Flower Garden and I just think, oh God, you knew, you knew what, what this place could do for us if we were, if I were, you know, was willing to, to just lean into that and do it. So mm-hmm. I've seen firsthand how places um, can really give back to us yes, and to, and to others, the people we love. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's one of the big desires of my heart. Like we just moved into the house that we're in now. I mean, I say just, we moved into it three years ago and we went from like this teeny tiny bachelor pad that my husband had into like a home. And I, over and over when we bought it, we were saying it's got a big open living room. It's got a big back, a big backyard. And our whole thing was wanting it to be a place that people could come, like wanting to be able to like host a Super Bowl party and have people in our home or a crawfish boil because we're from Louisiana. And so like, it's okay to want that space to be beautiful and comfortable. I want like my friends to come over and feel like they can snuggle in on my couch and drink a cup of coffee and tell me about their life and making that space peaceful and comfortable and beautiful facilitates that. Ultimately, it does. it's sort of it gets me back to the bread and the wine, right? Because right. that bread is broken and passed around and shared. And right. I think our, our places can be like that, too. I love that. I love that so much. It's so challenging, but also like encouraging at the same time that. Like, yeah, could do this better, yeah. you know, like I could do this better, but. That that desire is there is what really matters to yeah. do it better. Um. So we're going to go into the like rapid fire. All right. Questions. All right. I'm what, ready. What think... are you on the Enneagram? Uh, I wonder if the listeners have already guessed. I'm a four all the you way. You such a four. I love it. <laughs> You're so like a feeler and I love it yes. so much. I interview uh, a lot of fours, interestingly enough. Well, I mean, fours yeah. are so creative and they're thinkers and that kind of stuff that it just, na- they lend themselves to being incredible podcast guests. So oh, that's great. That's good to hear. Yeah. yeah give, me, give me all the beauty and, yes. and all the romance and the yes. poetry. And yeah, well, that's and it, me. like, you shouldn't be super surprised that I'm an eight. So I'm like, beauty, what? Like, I'm just like, you know, running and gunning. Like, uh, I have a heart for eights. I have a, a child who is an obvious 
eight. Yes. And I just love him. We are so different. But man, I love as a four, I love that he there is no hiding how he feels or what he thinks. I always know. I yeah. always know. It's just it's all out there. Yes. And even when it's hard. Yes. yes. <laughs> I love that there's no I don't have to guess. I'm not nope. wondering, huh, what is he thinking or feeling? You nope. know? So man, My I love tells eight. a story about us being in a situation where somebody was talking and I super didn't agree with what they were saying. And it was like a, yeah. And he literally had to like very lovingly tap my leg and be like, can you please change your face? Because I was just like, my face was just like, this is crap. Like, like in a situation that I should not have been making that face. So yeah, you never have to uh, wonder what an eight is thinking or feeling at all. (laughs) But also I have a lot to learn from the fours in my life about like appreciating beauty because I will run right by beauty for the sake of functionality or practicality or getting things done. Um, So I'm really gorgeous thing about the Enneagram I feel like it has just in helping me understand differences like this it's just given me so much compassion and so much appreciation for people who are different from me like now I know oh my goodness if the world was full of people like me we'd be in trouble nothing would (laughs) ever get done nothing would get done right we'd all grow flowers and there'd be no food (laughs) (laughs) but if the world was full of eights like there would be no relationships like everybody would just be like doing their own thing you know (laughs) that's I just got off of an interview with somebody else talking about how much it has impacted my life. And I think I talk about it almost every interview when we get to this part is just how much the Enneagram has impacted my life for understanding myself, but also for understanding others. Like mm-hmm. eights and fours might be the most polar, like polarized numbers. We're so different. But yeah. I feel like, I mean, I and I don't know you super well, but I do feel like I understand you better knowing that you're a four. Exactly. Because I know it's like so what great. your motivations are. I know yep. what like is important yep. to you. And yeah. It's just oh, so cool. It, it's, it's a gift. Yeah, to get is. that kind of inner glimpse of someone is a yes. real gift. I love yeah. it. I love the Enneagram so much. Um, what is something that can always pull you out of a funk? A walk. Ooh. And especially a walk in the woods. If Ooh. I can get away. So our old farmhouse is surrounded by a, like a suburban neighborhood. So it's all so- sidewalks and cul-de-sacs and so on. And so I can walk there. But if I can kind of get outside the neighborhood and into some woods. <gasps> always yes see okay an eight and a four meeting on common ground if i can go for a hike if i can be out of the like suburbanness yeah that is instant mood change and like we my family goes to gatlinburg multiple Mm -hmm. times a year oh beautiful i like love it so much to just be out in nature is the best me too um and the last one is what is the last thing you watched on tv Without a doubt, some British murder mystery. Oh, I watch. Yes, <laughs> it doesn't Wait, matter what, what it is. Some of the ones it's a British watched. murder mystery. <laughs> so it was probably maybe Endeavor or Vera or some Agatha Christie adaptation. Oh my gosh, but, yeah. I love it. And also, that is the most for answer to that question. Oh my gosh, yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Because like I just interviewed a nine, and her answer was The Office, and that's like the most nine answer. And for that's a four true. to be like Agatha Christie, yes, like uh, obviously. Yeah, yeah, always. That's so funny, I love it. I grew up loving Agatha Christie. Do you watch the what is it, Marvelous Miss Maisel? Uh, so I've only seen the first season so far, but yes, okay. yeah. yeah. 
I know it's not British, but it's that like time. It is. I love it. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, I love it. Um, well, to close us out, tell everybody where they can find you and follow you and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find on my website, christypurifoy.com. But especially, I love to connect with people on Instagram because mm-hmm. I feel like that, more than any other social media place, is a place where I can kind of show hospitality on the internet yeah. and kind of open, open the door of this old house, Maplehurst, for people. So at Christy Purifoy. And then I also co-host a podcast, um, the Out of the Ordinary podcast with my dear friend, Lisa Jo Baker. And um, we have new episodes every Wednesday. So yeah, easy to find, lots of places to connect with me. Yes, and we will link to all of that in your show notes, which everybody can always find at confessionsofacrappychristian.com. Christy, thank you so much for taking the time to like teach us about placemaking and kind of challenge what the world tells us about it. This was so good. I personally am walking away like, ah, oh, so much to learn. I like, I feel like I need to like do this better. So, so good. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for your hospitality. <laughs> yes, I did, I did do some hospitality. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you can find the show notes and more information about the show at confessionsofacrappychristian.com. I'll see y'all next week. Start a rewarding new career right away. Giant Eagle has immediate openings for supermarket positions, including curbside roles, get-go positions, pharmacy technicians, and warehouse workers. To find your new job and get hired in as little as one day, visit jobs.gianteagle.com.